0: Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. This episode of the CMO Podcast is part of our Leadership During Crisis series. For these short episodes, I am inviting back previous guests to see how they are leading during the pandemic, how they are addressing new challenges, and how they are providing for their consumers, their employees, and the public during these unprecedented times. Today, my guest on Leadership During Crisis is John Hall, Brand and Product Marketing Director for Whirlpool. John is simply the kind of person that rises to every challenge. In this episode, he talks about the trends he is seeing with Whirlpool's consumers during the pandemic and how those trends are impacting Whirlpool's products and marketing and how Whirlpool's core values and his core values come to play during this crisis. This is my conversation with John Hall. John Welcome to the CMO Podcast. I consider myself to be extremely fortunate to have gotten to know you in a couple different settings over the past year or so. And your story on brand purpose is one of the best I've heard in my career. So I am so looking forward to talking with you today about purpose and about purpose on Whirlpool. But before we unpack that, I have to ask you, as a dad of four boys, in the middle of this pandemic, how are you doing professionally and personally in your life? Yeah, thank you, Jim. It's like
1: I said, it's been an honor, it's an honor to, to spend some time with you. So thank you for the time. Um, you know, this has been a wild time as, as a lot of your, your guests have shared and it's been a, a range of emotions. Um, the obvious things about protecting, you know, safety and wellness of our, you know, my employees, my team, um, and trying to keep a, a sense of clarity and prioritization as we go forward is, is something that's at the forefront for us. Uh, but on the uh, on the personal side, uh, it's been it's been pretty awesome. You know, I mean, with shorter commutes, I'm able to spend more time with my kids. Um, homeschooling right now has kind of opened my eyes to the materials that they're learning in school and their different work styles. And my wife's been working really hard with them on homeschooling. Um, we've done a ton of uh ton of outside activities just with with the boys and I. Um, basketball being a huge one, so I think we've made quantum leaps in our in our jumper and our crossover. Uh, and then a lot, one other thing that's been kind of new, and I know you're you're a big fan of this, is uh, tennis. We for the first time picked up tennis. Um, it's a sport that I never uh, in the past really thought about. I was more you know football, baseball, basketball. Uh, track those type of things, but tennis—holy cow, what a fun sport! My brother and I play it, uh, and we're just trying to figure it out right now. But my kids are starting to get into it. It's a really awesome sport.
0: Super, yeah. I did do—I I just did a tennis uh, cardio class this morning, early ah, this morning. Very good. So I use very it for my fitness. I did team sports as a kid, as you did, and tennis—I I, I learned as an adult. And I just love it. You're outdoors. It's still competitive. You're running around. There's camaraderie. So good luck with it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Maybe we can play a, a fun match I would someday. love that.
1: That would be fantastic. i got to get a lot better first, though.
0: <laughs> hey, what what are some rituals you've developed? You're, play, you're playing a lot outside with your boys. You're working from home. You're staying in touch with your team. But are there any rituals that might be interesting for our listeners that you've developed as we've all operated, we're all operating in a sort of a different paradigm right now?
1: Yeah. You know, one of the rituals um, that I've developed is just finding time to be like with myself in reflection. Um, and, you know, you know, pre-COVID, if you think about it, like we're so on the go, we're constantly moving from one thing to another. You, a lot of times you don't have the time to sit back and reflect. And so that's been really neat. I find myself sitting in my office between Zoom calls, just sitting there staring at the wall and I got a whiteboard and I just kind of start writing. So I'm a dreamer. So that gives me a chance to dream a little bit. So, so I love that part. That, that's a ritual. Uh, certainly working out as, as many of your your audience members have, have shared. Working out is uh, critical during this time period just to keep that that the the mind balanced. Um, and then getting outside, just get once you that sun hits you. If you you know if your office is on the inside, just just getting outside, get some of that fresh air. You know we're we're in the Midwest, so we've been dealing with some colder weather. So now it's starting to heat up, and really getting outside and getting hit by that sun and hearing some of the kids outside playing is, is something that I look forward to daily.
0: So with your team, any rituals with your team at work that you'll carry over? You're talking about thinking more, reflecting more, getting outside?
1: Yeah. With my, well, you know, with my team, one of the things that, that honestly kind of dates back to some of my experience in the Army is right now in the, in the face of uncertainty is the importance of communication. is We're constantly in communication, whether it's through email. We're doing a lot of Zoom calls where there's no topic. We're just sitting there talking, coffee, happy hours. Um, we've moved on to starting to play some games we play this fun game online it's called uh, Quibbish or Fibbish, something like that but it's it's really fun just to get their kind of minds off of off of um you know everything that's going on and 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 just being together so just the importance of in these times of uncertainty to almost over communicate i think that's something we'll ca- we'll carry over post covid and all that all that stuff um and then the other thing i i you know i'm curious and i, I think we may carry over is there definitely is a sense of, like, you're getting a lot done while you're working from home. So I could see us maybe on Fridays or Thursdays or something like that, more in a, uh, you know, we've worked from home in the past. But I could see that being more part of the, the, uh, the team schedule, a day of the week, that they're kind of doing the, their home-type remote work.
0: You're the largest home appliance company in the world. From a consumer perspective, are you, what are you picking up that might be interesting for our listeners in terms of habits, practices, feelings, thoughts?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody is isolated in their homes right now. Um, And for the the industry that we're in, you know, major home appliances, um, a couple of things are happening. Um, One of them was our products have to work and they have to work well. Unfortunately, we do have great products. But if there is an issue, you can imagine that our call center support, our service network support has to be there to support these consumers and and, and these, these people that we serve. The last thing we want, or one of our our products, to fail in this, you know, these these uncomfortable times. Um, space, definite redefinition, is going to be a huge one going forward, not just in the retail environment, but inside the home. Um, you know, I, 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 it's not surprising to hear that the Home Depots and the Lows are, are are doing very well right now. A lot of people are rethinking the spaces inside their homes, extending, you know, decks. I've even heard some fun things about. Um, people putting offices out in the garage just to not be down in like a basement office in our side room office, putting them out, out in the garage so you can kind of really kind of be outside, but have some of that, that that you know, cover from, from inside the garage. Um, the uh, appliances are still being used. You know, you think about refrigerators they're you know, people are stocking up on uh, meats. Uh, and so, you know, second refrigerators, um, washers and dryers, uh, people, you know, obviously don't really want to do that stuff by hand. So these, these products are, you know, continuing to be essential in people's lives. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I guess in these times, it's uh it's good to see that our industries continue to do well.
0: I'm using my KitchenAid a lot.
1: Oh yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. And, uh, yeah. The KitchenAid stand mixer is on fire. Um, I'm seeing it all over online. In fact, the KitchenAid's team just did an awesome campaign called making it together. i um, really bringing people together. When life gives you lemonades, like makes, you know, um, um, uh, life gives you lemon, life gives you lemons, make lemonades out of it type thing. And then one of our other brands, Ropo brand really tying into their purpose has kicked off this uh, creative campaign around the chore club and engaging kids uh, inside the home and and being a part of the chores and the cooking and the cleaning and the washing, which which honestly helps to build self-reliance skills as they grow older. So they're both kind of expressing their purposes through these times.
0: Beautiful. Well, listen, you're talking about purpose, and I want to talk about that a lot during this podcast. But before we get into Whirlpool and purpose and hear your personal story on this, you're an adjunct professor at Notre Dame. That's right. At the Mendoza School. So I suspect you talk about purpose with students there. So I would like you to sort of helicopter up and talk about when you talk about purpose with students at that great university, how do you speak about it? You know, how do you, how do you define it? How do you, how do you know it when you see it? What's your guidance to them if they're interested in the concept?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I love to talk about this. And I think that, that my, you know, I, I'm a believer in purpose-driven marketing works. Um, I've got examples where at work I've seen it um, deliver results that are beyond the results that we we're expecting. Um, so that's a big part of the class that I teach. Um, we focus on um, um, creating a, a, a situational analysis of the industry that you're competing in, and then starting to build your brand foundations and, and getting to brand leadership, and and then translate and doing that first, and then translating that into developing products and services. Uh, that are going to win in a market that are aligned with your you, the, the consumer you've mapped your brand in and what the brand wants to stand for. And then ultimately starting to activate it in market and then and then and then teaching them how to measure it. But at the core of everything that that I'm teaching down there is this idea that purpose driven marketing is what should drive the entire business, drive the entire build, uh, P&L, drive the marketing mix. And so, you know, at the the bare bones, we all know that purpose is like what your brand or you as a person or or an organization stands for. It's their existence. You know, we've seen the Simon Sinek work and, you know, it's awesome. Um, And a lot of brands do that and they work with the creative agencies and they build these beautiful purpose statements and then they put them on paper and they sit there. And that's one version of it. And that's the version that, that I don't teach at Notre Dame. The version I teach is when you turn it alive in the organization and you partner with the, you know, the executive leaders in your organization across the different functions and you get buy in and ownership and um, they champion it forward. And then we start to take the purpose that the brand wants to stand for and apply it into the positioning and the positioning translates to the services and products you're offering. I've even seen our purpose impact our pricing decisions, our, our channel decisions, our, um, our showroom decisions. Our uh, recruiting, our retention, our engagement—all that stuff—and as it starts to find its way there, you start to see people act and behave and walk inside your organization differently, uh, in line with that purpose. And when you nail that, the results come. Like the hardest part is the getting your getting it seated inside your organization, and when you get that the results come and people go above and beyond and people want to be a part of something because it's bigger than themselves and that's that's what we're trying to teach in the setting at Notre Dame and we use real we'll take real like live brands and try to rewrite their purpose statements on what they should do to grow their business and drive it drive it through the business but it's it's fun it's it's exciting to see them see it come to life in that academic environment because I didn't I didn't get it in schooling I kind of learned it from folks like you and Chris kemchinski when I worked mm-hmm. for Kraft Foods over time and and was able to start to apply it in the Rollpool setting.
0: Yeah. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. So you're you've been at Whirlpool about seven years now, and, and you 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 know you've been promoted, and you're you're now uh, you're a brand that's doing extremely well, winning awards, and and you're and you've and you've told this purpose story in other situations. I've heard it. Our listeners likely haven't. So, can you tell me what, when in that seven years at Whirlpool did this idea of purpose hit? What was the catalyst? How did it germinate? How did it start? I mean, you're you know you're the largest home appliance company in the world. You make big equipment, so and it's probably a pretty engineering-oriented culture. That's right. So, tell me the story of how it began. How did you get momentum? why what was the compelling reason to do it so if you could go back to the beginning about and start telling that story about how the idea germinated
1: yeah for sure um you know honestly it started a, a little bit earlier than that um you know when i had went from the military to craft um there was a big learning curve for me uh especially in building brand foundations and brand fundamentals like i was like a whole new world to me and i struggled. Um, But anytime I struggle or I fail in something, I tend to like want to like make it a strength. And I went after it. Um, And I just like opened myself up to the craft training. They do a great job training people. Um, And then there was a pivotal moment where Chris Kamchinsky came into the organization. Um, And when he came in, he brought this deep sense of modernizing the brand's of setting the foundations correctly of building purpose into the brands and really breaking through and, and being more effective with our product development and our in our marketing work. Um, and I was surrounded by some some brilliant marketers at the time Noel Omera who's the CMO at, at, at Tysons and Trina Schmelter and Ivan Hadago, Chris Miles and and I kind of sponged it all up. I I I learned and listened to what they were saying. and I, I didn't understand it all and so i studied i read i read jim stangle's book and i read you know Thank other acker uh, and, and and adam morgan and so when i made that transition you know i was actually going to another company and then we switched and i came over to to RuPaul because i saw an opportunity to really go after a purpose driven marketing um uh, not, not a campaign, not a strategy, like a, a way of business. And um, I uh, reported to a guy named Bill Beck, um, and he was wide open to resetting the brand foundations. Um, John,
0: before you jump into this, you left Kraft to go to Whirlpool. Uh, what was the what was really interesting for you at the time? Because you obviously were in a great company, having a great career.
1: Yeah, you know, the interesting thing to me was really uh, expanding into other industries and um you know when you're in a role for a little while you, there's a little bit of redundancy even when you're in different brand like 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 different brands but in similar categories But when you go, when you stretch yourself into a new industry, a category like you're learning and you're uh, skyrockets. And I, you know, I tend to like to apply learning agility and be in an environment where I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to listen to what people are saying and I'm going to apply some of my experiences. And so Rural is a perfect opportunity for that. Um, And so when I got there, it was very clear that um, we had been investing in the brand for a number of years and the brand health was declining. Uh, Market share was declining um, and we were struggling. Uh, we had great product and we were just coming uh, not long after that coming out of the, you know, the financial crisis so it was 2013 or so um, and the organization was shifting from to a more marketing led brand led organization. And so I got to be a part of that transition. It was awesome to watch. And they're very successful now because of that transition and they've made great gains. Um, But for Whirlpool in particular, uh, we knew there was something incredibly powerful that no appliance brand had unlocked. These products sit in people's homes. They touch them every day. A refrigerator, you could argue, outside of the phone is the product that is touched the most by the family. And so um, we had really their brand strategy was all off. It was it was mapped into, um, you know, heavily influenced by, you know, engineering and and trade expectations. It wasn't really aligned with like the true organic heritage of the brand. And so the first thing we did was we we modernized the, the consumer um we we shifted away from more of uh, the stereotypical caregiver at home to a more modern uh caregiver at home um, It could be male, female. But these people at, at the core of what they were doing the was this idea that caring for my family is the most important thing that I do. That's their most important role. And interestingly, in the modern era, there's a lot of pressure on, you know, a job, having a job and raising a family and making it look easy. So there was this incredible tension in that. Um, And up to this point, the industry in all in total was talking about the products as tools for survival about efficiency and productivity. We were going to reframe that mindset away from that into the role the clients play as as family care. And people were like, what's family care? And when we surveyed consumers, they they would say, oh, family care, that's like cooking, cleaning, washing, driving my kids to uh, activities.
0: So, John, how did that movement begin within on the Whirlpool brand? Was it a leader? Was it you? Was it a team? Was it the business situation? Was it more dialogue with, with consumers?
1: Yeah, it was a combination of all that. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was more dialogue with consumers, ethnographic research, both online and home. Um, there was an expectation from leadership that we were going to elevate this brand and start. We're investing in it. We expect a return on the brand health metrics. And we had, we had data showed that the health metrics were heavily correlated with the intent to purchase and market share. Um, and we wanted and honestly, Jim, we were looking at organizations like p and seeing like like there's no reason we can't have that type of positive impact uh, inside our organization and in and, and, uh, and, and other companies as well out there. Um, and then, um, um, you know, we t- another thing here's a telltale sign when your own internal employees are constantly giving you feedback of what you're doing wrong and why things aren't working and what they think of the, the brand, you, you got a problem. And so part of the development of this purpose was interviewing retirees and interviewing people who had been there for a while and interviewing leaders and what they wanted the brand to stand for, for over the next you know, 10, 20 years. And we found that in the DNA of the company, as we unpacked it decade by decade, you know, in the 60s and 70s, what products we were launching, what was the message? We found that this was a company that was always doing the right thing, that was always putting others and sacrificing for others. Um, And we changed the archetype. It it was mapped into uh, kind of a a hero like archetype. And we took it over to a caregiver archetype It was about sacrificing for others and putting others in front of you. And the light bulb started to go off. Um, and, And through the synthesis of all that, we got to this internal idea that behind every chore is an act of love. And it's kind of counterintuitive because when you put that in front of people. They're they'll tell you like chores aren't acts of love. They're they're thankless tasks. I mean you know Cinderella was punished with chores. Like you know <laughs> that's how you you punish your kids. But when you talk to someone on a call center who's really angry that their washing machine broke, and you ask them why, and they say, well it was you know six hundred dollars, but why you know why are you so angry? Well I can't wash the clothes. But but why are you so angry? And you get down to like you know my spouse or my kid can't go to school with dirty clothes, you understand that the role that these appliances play are actually helping these families thrive out out in the world. And so it truly is um, behind every chore is an act of love. And these cooking, cleaning, washing are part of the emotional glue that holds families together. And so the purpose was clear. We got to this idea that we exist to help families thrive. And when you say that to engineers, you say that to the sales partners, and you say that and they understand it across all the functions. They go from building, you know, you know, machinery and b- bending metal to like a direct connection with helping people out in the world, live better lives. It, it, and that's where it starts to take off.
0: John, this has been a treat. And uh, and it, it was a, uh, a school of marketing, a school of life. You're an inspiring young man. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to have known you and 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 we'll continue that. But your story on purpose and your passion for it and your lessons are are going to be so helpful for for so many of our listeners. It inspires me and it will will inspire others. So thank you for being so generous with your time and your insights in uh, in this crazy time we are now all trying to manage through.
1: Yes. Thank you very much, Jim, for having me.
0: That was my conversation with John Hall. This leader is one of the most purposeful leaders in our industry and I think there's so much to learn by how he approaches his company, his team, his work, his personal purpose, and his brand's purpose. That's it for this episode of our Leadership During Crisis series. We hope you enjoyed this follow-up episode and found value and insight into how these leaders and brands are operating during this pandemic. If you found this episode interesting or helpful, I would be so grateful if you shared it with your friends and if you gave the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Subscribe to the show and get notified every time we publish a new episode. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.